you, Brother Todd. Yeah. If you haven't already turned in your Bible to the book of Habakkuk, uh, it's a little small book, about three chapters in your Old Testament. Just start at the book of Matthew and drop back about four books, and you'll find the book of Habakkuk. When you find the book of Habakkuk, if you will kindly please stand in reverence to the reading of the scripture. And after the reading of the scripture and prayer, you can be seated. I'm going to read one passage of scripture from the book of Habakkuk. And we'll be using the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 as sort of a springboard to launch into this message in which the Lord has given to us. Habakkuk chapter number 1 and verse number 5. This is the Lord's response to the prophet. And he says, Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard, wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. Now may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Be seated. I, I don't know how many times within the ministry that I've heard the verse quoted and even quoted it myself at various times. But Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, I believe the Apostle Paul had the book of Habakkuk in his mind when he, by the inspiration of God, wrote these words down. Romans 8 and 28 says, for we know, for we know, that's, that's the voice of experience speaking, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are the called according to his purpose. I want to tell you some true stories this morning before I get into this message. But the title of the message is Asking God Why. Asking God Why. As I look around the congregation this morning, I know I haven't had the, the privilege of being a part of this church family for a couple of three years, but in those two or three years, I know that we've all shared and experienced a lot of heartache. We've walked together through sickness, and we've held each other up in times of, of very trial testings, and I, I, I know that we'll continue to do that, because as long as there's life and breath and as long as there's a world that we can call this, there's going to be problems. And I've oftentimes found myself in the same situation that the prophet found himself in, is, is asking God why. And it's nothing wrong with asking God why. 
It's when we, we start to doubt him, his love for us, and his hand working in us. And I've often held to the truth that whenever I can't feel his hand, whenever I can't raise my eyes and, and pray, and it feels like my, my, tear, my prayers go above the ceiling, in those times when it seems like God is, is, is a million miles away, that heaven is brass, when I can't feel that, I trust his heart. I trust his heart to know that even though at that particular time in my life, whatever's going on, I can't feel him, but I know he loves me. I can always go to the cross, and I can see how much he loved me. So when we quote Romans 8 and 28, we know that all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And those verses are pretty hard quote sometimes when you're looking into the faces of, of heartbroken individuals. True story. Not too awfully long ago, there was a church that was having a fellowship. And as the fellowship broke apart, there was a couple of ladies left in the, in the dining cafeteria hall, whatever you want to call it, and they were cleaning up after the meal. Folks had done filtered out and left the church. Two ladies were still there all alone by themselves, and they were cleaning up the kitchen. A group of men breaks into the church, rapes, brutally kills those two women. You ask God why? Another true story. Thanksgiving Day, a man and his wife and his young family with three children, three young boys, very young in their age. As they got through eating their Thanksgiving dinner, they were outside, and one of the small boys was running around, and he was chewing on a piece of turkey, and it lodged in his throat. He choked to death right there in front of his family. While they were taking care of that young child, another wound out into the street and run over. And we wonder, where's God in all of this? When we think about the turmoil and the trials and everything that's going on in our world today with the natural disasters that we're seeing on the news day in, day out, with horrendous tornadoes and hurricanes that are just wiping clean the nation, and we think about the earthquakes that are going. Not only that, but when we look at our society in general and we look at the, the moral decay in this nation in which we live, we see the church shootings. I never thought that I would be sitting in a church meeting where one of the main topics were is how to protect the people within the building. I'm not that old, folks. I remember a time when the church windows was open because we didn't have air conditioning. Now we have to have armed people to surround the church to keep us safe. Does that speak to you? Where's God in all of this? We think about terrorism and we hear about it on our news every 
every day. You can't turn on the news in the mornings unless you hear of some awful shootings or robberies in the world. The spiritual declines in our churches today. Our churches have become nothing more than a Sunday morning social club. Whether we come in and we look to the coffee shop and we wait for the next smoke screen to come up. We're not sincere in studying the scriptures and we won't come out to hear a man that will break forth the bread of life and treat, teach you the two true counsels of God. But you can offer a big singing and a big concert, smoke and lights and you can draw the multitudes. Government leaders driven by greed. At any time, we could be at the very brink of nuclear war. We ask why. God, where are you in all of this? And not to mention personal tragedies that are in our homes. We never know from one day to the next where that a single phone call will change your life forever. It's God. God, why? As we look in the book of Habakkuk, we can see how that Habakkuk faced these calamities, these tragedies that was going on. And I'm going to give you sort of a running commentary. We're going to glean this morning. In other words, we're going to go to the outer parts of the field, and we're going to pick up some of the little residual grains that are left in this book. We're not going to cover it in detail, but we're going to bring you out some points of it that I think and I hope will answer some of our questions this morning. Why, God, and where are you in all of this? It was once said to a dear woman who had just lost her son in a terrible car accident. She went to her minister and she said, Pastor, I want to know, where was God when my son was killed? pastor looked in her heartbroken eyes and he said, my dear child of God, he's in the very same place he was when his son was killed. He's on the throne. And I'm here to tell you something this morning, child of God. I don't care what the circumstances look like in your life. I don't care what you see whenever you look outside these walls and you look at the situations and the circumstances that are going on in our world, in our nation today. God is still in control. And that's what we hold to. Look at chapter 1 and verse number 1, if you will. Here we find the prophet. It's during the time of the reign of Jehoiakim. Josiah, the, the, the king who had raised uh, Judah, back to a spiritual prominence. They had re instituted the laws of Moses and things were starting to really look up. They had gotten rid of a lot of the idols that had been set up in the time past. Josiah dies. His son Jehoiakim takes over. And all of a sudden, the nation starts plummeting down a spiritual decline. We see the lawmakers and the, and the rulers of the time are greedy. They take from the from the people and they, they build up their own towers and they just starve the people to death. The, the nation itself is in idolatry, drunkenness from the kings to the very uh, uh, people in the streets is what we see. 
and as Habakkuk sits and he looks at the situation that is going on in Judah, he is angered about it, he's troubled about it, and he goes to God about it. And, and that's where we need to go. There's the lesson we should learn. We need to go to God with whatever situation, whatever circumstance is going on in our lives right now. He's the only person that can help us anyway. Listen, see what Habakkuk says. He says, O Lord, in verse number 2 of chapter 1, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And he says, and thou wilt not hear. You see what he's saying? He says, Lord, I've prayed. I've cried to you about the things that are going on in the nation today. And it's like you don't hear me. You don't hear me. Even cry out unto thee violence. You see those two words cry there? They're different. The first cry there that Habakkuk makes is a call. Lord, I'm calling to you. Where are you at? Why haven't you moved? Why haven't you answered? The second word cry there is a more urgent. It's a scream. First he says, Lord, where are you? The next time he calls out, he's screaming to the top of his lungs. And he says, God, where are you? Why am I forced to see these things? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you sending revival in this country? Why aren't you hearing me as I'm suffering, as my heart is breaking? Lord, where are you? That's what he's saying. Why dost thou show me violence? I've cried unto you, and you do nothing. You do nothing. As a little sideline here, child of God, One thing of when God is showing judgment on a nation is silence. His prophets are silent. God is silent. Now, I'm not standing before you this morning and telling you that everything that goes on, every circumstance that happens in your life is because there's sin in their life. That's not true. It's, it's not. It's not because of sin sometimes that God is moving and sometimes there's pain and suffering in your life. That's not what it is. But you can always be sure that everything that is happening in your life is happening because God has allowed it to do so for your good. Remember Romans 8 and 28, that's still there. And we know that all things are working together for good I want you to know as we break that verse apart, as we spring back and forth from Habakkuk to Romans 8, 28, that that verse doesn't say that everything that happens is good. Would you agree to that? Not everything that's happened in your lives is good, is it? No. But what the Bible says is that everything that happens is working together for good. You know what that means? It means that things that are happening maybe right now could be bad, hurtful, heartbreaking, wrenching, discouraging. As I said, when you can't feel his hand, trust his heart, 
All things are working together for good. I've told y'all this once or twice before. I don't know, but I, I like to use this example. Teresa can make some of the best biscuits I ever ate. She can. Makes good biscuits. But you know, if you take the ingredients that she puts in those biscuits, she puts some flour and some milk, some shortening lard or whatever. I don't know if we call it lard anymore or not. Something like that, ain't it? But she puts all these ingredients. Now, if I was to just miss Opal go up and get me a handful of flour out of that bowl and just, it wouldn't be good. Probably. Or if I was to, Jonathan, just go get me a scoop of that shortening or lard, I'd probably heave. You know what? With all them little bitty ingredients there, though, but when them things come together and she mixes it all up, brother, puts it in that hot oven, it comes out, boy, that's good. The things that are happening in our lives, brothers and sisters, in and of themselves may not be good at that particular time. Brother, I know that what you've been through, Miss Patty's been through, at that particular time wasn't good. But trust me, when you can't feel God's hand, trust his heart. Trust his heart. He's got a plan. And he's working it. Brother, it may be the fact that you and Miss Patty, may be he's setting up to be able to minister to somebody else that's going to go through this later on. When me and Teresa were going through her cancers, we, I, you know, I have to tell you, I said, why? Lord, why? That's my life right there. You're going to take her from me. What I didn't realize was God was making us ministers to where that she could sit down and talk eyeball to eyeball with somebody that was going through it herself. You see, sometimes you've got to be able to cry with those that are crying. You've got to know what it is to lose something to be able to sit down with somebody and say, I know where you are. I've been there. I've done that. You see, the life of faith is not always a life of sunshine and roses. Sometimes there's some rain. You know that. But bless God, glory comes. Joy is coming in the morning, folks. It's coming. You've got to trust his heart. He's working in you. I love that little song, my daughter, when she was a baby. She, she'd love to sing in the church choir. She'd, she'd sit up there and that little mouth would be just going. and She wouldn't know what in the world she was singing. But she had that mouth going, boys. And she would twist. She got that from me. <laughs> but she used to sing a little ditty called, He's Still Working on Me. And that's what he's doing. He never quits on us. He's still working on us. Even though we can't feel his hand, brothers and sisters, trust his heart. He's working. What does he tell Habakkuk in verse 5? He says, I'm working. I'm working a work in your day that if somebody tells it to you, you won't even believe it. What is he saying there? He's saying just like what these modern preachers will tell us today. They'll tell you that if you trust Jesus, everybody's got to know Jesus. If you trust Jesus, all your troubles are going to go away. That's not true. 
That's not true. Yes, yes, your major problem, your relationship with God is solved. It's, in, it, it's set. It's been, you know, it's been sealed in blood. That problem's solved. But it opens up a whole other set of problems in your life. What problems, preacher? The same problems Habakkuk was looking at. He looked out at the wicked. He seen them prosper. He seen that he was living for God. He seen that things didn't seem to be going right. You ever felt like, Lord, I'm doing everything I can. I'm in church. I'm studying my Bible. I'm praying every day. I give to the poor. I try every way I can to honor and glorify you, God, but it don't go well. You ever felt that way? That's what Habakkuk is saying here. He says, look, why dost thou show me iniquity, verse 3, and cause me to behold grievances? For spoiling and violences are before me, and they are that raise up strife and contentions. Therefore, the law is slack. In other words, it's numb. It's of no effect. And judgment does never come forth. For the wicked does compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgments proceed. Habakkuk was saying, it seems like no matter what, iniquity abounds, wickedness is growing, and Lord, you just don't do nothing about it. It's like your idol. Your law that goes forth, it's to no effect. It has a numbing effect. God tells him, I'm going to work, Habakkuk. You trust me. I'm going to work a work that, that you won't even believe if somebody tells you about it. Habakkuk says, okay, what are you going to do? When God tells him what he's going to do, Habakkuk don't like it. Just like sometimes we don't like the outcome of our situation. God tells Habakkuk, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. And I'm going to bring them in. And they're going to be used as an instrument in my hand. Now remember, God says, I'm going to use this wicked, idolatrous nation to judge Judah, my people. That's a work that, amen, that's strange. That God would use a wicked king as an instrument in his hand to judge his people. Wow. That's what he said. Habakkuk says, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Here's what I want you to do, Lord. I, I, I want you to bring us back, and I want you to give us a revival. How many of us in here pray for revival in our nation and churches today? How many of you think we need revival in our nation and churches today? Absolutely. That's what we want. And that's what Habakkuk was praying for. But God says, you know, my ways are not your ways, Habakkuk. Sometimes the way that you think things should be done is not the way that I see them and they should be done. Sometimes you've got to get people's attention. So he says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, that wicked and bitter, hasty nation, they're going to march through the land. They're going to take you into captivity. And they do. Habakkuk says, now wait a minute, Lord. Let me reason with you a little bit here. There's two complaints he makes. 
He makes the first complaint because he said, God, you're slack. Your word's not going forth. I'm not hearing from you. And then when God answers him, he says, no, Lord, I don't want you to answer that way. I want you to answer this way. Verse 12 says, art thou from everlasting? O Lord, my God, mine holy one, we shall not die. Why? Why would he say that for? Well, because he remembered and understand that God had made a covenant. And God always stood by his promises. We're not going to die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. Speaking of the Chaldeans, Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Verse 13 says, Thou art of pure eyes. You don't even look upon evil, God. And canst thou look on iniquity? Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth a man that is more righteous than he? Habakkuk says you're going to take somebody that's more wicked than we are and judge us with them. It's a work that nobody will believe. In our society today, the God of the Bible, the God of this book, is a strange God in the modern pulpit. He's strange to people. They don't recognize him. You know why? Because the God of normal, average pulpits across this land and country where we live in is nothing more than a sentimental granddad that can do absolutely nothing more than what his creature allows him to do. Amen. That's where you're supposed to come in and say, Amen. We give the creature more power, more authority than we do the creator himself. God, you can't do nothing unless I tell you you can. Does that sound like the God whom Habakkuk was dealing with? Does that sound like the God who called Abraham out of the Earl of the Chaldeans and told him, do you go into the land of promise? No. The God of this Bible is the almighty God. Thank you. Habakkuk's conclusion. Okay, if that's what you're going to do, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go sit upon my watch, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to see what you're going to do. God answers Habakkuk, and this is the answer that every one of us need to remember. Verse number four, he said, Behold, speaking of the Chaldeans, his soul is lifted upright, in him, but the just shall live by faith. There's, we are, there's where we are. When circumstances, when trials, when difficulties, when things that are going on outside and around us that we can't explain, that we don't understand, we say we trust God by faith. We believe it. We've learned that. Remember what I told you about Paul? He says, and we know that's a learning experience. We know from experience that God can be trusted, that he loves us, and that he'll never let anything come into our lives that is not for our good and for his glory. Do you believe that, church? That's what the Bible says. That's what the book says. 
And that's our rule and authority, right? That's what Habakkuk had to learn. The just, those that have been justified, lives by faith. We go from a worrying to a wondering and then to a worshiping prophet. Habakkuk in chapter 3, and like I said, this is just a little running commentary of the book of Habakkuk, comes to this conclusion. And it's the same conclusion that God is still working on in us. He comes to this conclusion. In verse number 17 of uh, chapter number 3, Habakkuk makes this statement. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit tree or the fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fall and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. To the, he, he says here, he says, even, even though, listen, if the stock market falls, I'm still going to trust God. If I lose my job, I'm still going to trust God. When what Habakkuk was saying, if you take everything that I depend on away from me, Lord, when I sit back and I see that this prophecy is going to come to pass, when I see the Chaldeans, which was the Babylonians, when I see them coming, I'm still going to trust you. Whenever the storms of life roar against me, I'm still going to trust you. When, when everything is gone in which I totally depend on, house, land, cars, jobs, monies, I'm still going to trust you. And sometimes that's where God has to bring us to. Sometimes, church, prosperity can be a curse. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes our prosperity can be a curse. You know why? Because we start depending on our money instead of our God. We start depending on our resources and on our abilities instead of our God. And sometimes God takes some of those things away from us if he's pleased to do so. In our land and country, we see the stock market. Everything seems to be on the rise. But we also see, on the other hand, the, the spiritual decline in this country. But we're not trusting and seeing the trust of God anymore. I, and I'm not a prophet. I'm not. Nor am I the son of a prophet. But I believe one of two things is fixing to take place. One thing that, that's going to take place is this. God's going to send a revival. God's going to raise up a people. He's going to raise up a person. I don't know how or who or what. But he's going to be filled with fire and zeal and jealousy for God. He's going to be a man that will stand on the truth and only the truth. And his goal is to do nothing but honor and glorify God. It's not going to be the greed of gain to build a, a massive following. It's going to be simply to honor and glorify God. He's going to start a great revival. 
That's one thing that could possibly happen. The second thing of the one of two things that's going to happen is the trumpet's going to sound. I, I don't know, folks, how that this world can get much worse than what it is. I'm sure it can. But I'm looking for the trumpet to sound. I'm looking for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ splits the skies. We that are alive and remain are changed, and those that have gone on before raise up to ground level, the, and the, the spirits of those, old, those saints come back to meet that body, and we all go to meet the Lord in the air. And there forever be with the Lord. One of two things. My question this morning, as we've just, like I say, we've just gleaned over a little bit of the book of Habakkuk, the things that he, he looked at, the doubts that he had, the questions that he had, how God answered, and how God will answer in his time. Where are we at as far as our faith and trust? Let's say if everything that, that we depended on was yanked out money. What would you do? It can happen. Would you still trust God? My prayer this morning is, as God grows us in our faith, that His grace abounding upholds us, carries us through, and it will. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, in the name of Christ, our Lord, your, and our Savior. Father, what we need this morning is a, is a revelation. We need a fresh revelation. We don't need explanations. We need a fresh vision from you to show us who you are. Lord, what we need Father, is, is a steadfast and movable faith in Christ. What we need, Lord, what we need, Father, is to be able to hold to your hand without ever releasing. Father, give us, give us your hand. But most of all, Father, help us to realize and see your heart. That you're in the fire with us. You're in the mix. You're walking with us day in, day out. Father, if, if this, our brother Jared comes and he, he sings a song this morning. If there's someone here this morning that is, that is battling, that is facing these battles of faith that we have. Father, let them know that you're working. That you've never left them. That your eye is always upon them. Father, give them the peace in their heart that only you can. For it's in the name of Jesus only. For that one that may be here today that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day that you've set aside in eternity to grant them repentance and faith. Father, may we be witnesses of that miracle here today.